Hey everybody, my name's Johan Philip, And I'm Matt Carvel. And we are live! Every Tuesday afternoon for Live Lunch. That is the place that we take the Sunday teaching and we have a discussion about it. We unpack the different themes, ask some different questions, and we're inviting you to get involved in it. Have a listen or submit some questions, that sort of thing. And we have food. We do. So if you want to find out about some good eating options around Brighton and Hove, tune into Live Lunch. So you get fed, well we get fed physically, but you get fed spiritually. Uh, Tuesdays at 1pm live on Instagram then the video does sit on YouTube and podcast if you like more information about how you can join in with the conversation at Live Lunch we are emmanuel.com forward slash Live Lunch we look forward to seeing you there see you then we are live welcome back to a new season or series if you're Matt Carvel of Live Lunch we are in a new teaching series here at Emmanuel looking at the story of Joseph we've called the preaching series Buried, we'll get into that in a little bit. Let me introduce to you our host for the day it is the wonderful Rachel Jeffs, who um, Rachel Rachel became a Christian through the live stream. She came across Emmanuel mm. on the live stream. And so through, uh, during lockdown, she became a Christian. And now she helps lead our live stream delivery team, which is a wonderful trajectory and arc. And it's great to have you on the team, Amen. Rachel. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. This is my debut of live lunch. So I'm normally behind the scenes and now I'm here able to chat with you guys. So I'm really excited. And yeah, it was the live stream that kind of drew, drew me in and all the behind the scenes techie stuff. So thank you guys for being such a great comms team and producing all of this great content. That oh I, man, I feel the love in the room yeah. today. <laughs> Seeds were sown. Seeds were sown. It's great. <laughs> great. Thanks, Rachel. And we've got the wonderful Stephen Dawson and who leads our New England site and Hello? Dr. Tip. Is it? There or thereabouts. <laughs> yeah. It's not Tim Jones. Yeah, we see this like every time you're on live. Miss the slash dots. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, it does happen. Um, <laughs> so this week, so we last week we began our buried series, uh, the video with Neville Jones uh, or Joel. You've got two options. You could either listen to Joel mm. or Neville. That's available online, and both are really good preachers. So highly recommend listening to them. Why we call the series buried? Um, we looked at the story of Joseph, and there's a, a standard verse in, towards the end of the story, Genesis 50, the last chapter of the book of Genesis where it talks about um, when Joseph is talking to I think his brothers or he is, mm. is mm. looking back on his life and he talks about what you meant for evil God intended for good to save to save many people and we know that you know really the, the story of Joseph uh, points to Jesus and so somebody is praying in our staff right we're not just preaching Joseph we're preaching Jesus and we see and the story of um, Joseph really is like many stories in, in the Bible that somebody is uh is placed in a pit, is buried, and then risen to a position of prominence. And we look at the story of Joseph, and it's not just his dream that was buried, but he himself was buried. And similarly, it wasn't just the idea of salvation that was buried. No, Jesus was was crucified, died, and placed in a tomb, buried, and then rose again. And I, I think how we can connect with the story is, is I think individually we we know that um, quite often, sometimes we go through situations, or quite often we go through situations where we we feel like we ourselves are being buried there's something overwhelming about the situation that we are going through and just the beautiful knowledge that god knows what's going on indeed he's working underneath the surface um the imagery of the the series the the brand really points to movement underneath the surface and just the, the hope and the, the confidence that we have that god works all things out for good and he's working when it seems like the situation is dead and buried but he's working uh, and we've called the series Buried, but also uh, Romans does talk about in, in Christ, we too were buried uh, and the church, the, the body of Christ was, was buried with Christ, but then very much to be raised again. Uh, and so that's why we've called the series Buried. 
So, yep, that's a quick introduction to Berit. You had a question which mm. Tim's going to answer. Yeah, I mean, it was just about this whole idea of being buried. I think from an outsider looking in, you can be like, why? Why did Jesus have to be buried? And I guess that's something that came up when I was doing my notes. Is like, one, why did he have to die on the cross? And two, why did he need to be buried? Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. And it's only a couple of weeks ago that we were uh, doing the, the run-up into Easter. And so as I was speaking up at the Oasis site on this very subject, talking about um, Jesus saying on the cross it's finished so he actually does does the the killing of death using death it does a judo move on death uh, on the cross where whereby death is put to death by death so there's no more fighting for him to do so hence when he goes to the grave sometimes different traditions have talked about different christian traditions have talked about jesus going down to fight you know the enemies below and to harrow the grave and to win back everyone from there but really when he says it's finished it's finished Mm. So it's finished on the cross, but then he lies down in solidarity with all of us who will die. And, you know, he, he's like us in every way. He goes through every experience, mm-hmm. yet without sin and, with, and full of victory. Like retreads all of the steps of ancient Israel, but does it right. Gets taken out and tempted mm-hmm. in the desert, but succeeds under temptation mm-hmm. and withstands the devil. In this case, with burial, he goes down and is buried as we will be buried but death can't hold him so he's re- he's the first resurrected from the dead he's the first who who walks the walk that we're going to walk so the christian hope and when you get buried you're you're playing this out we we will all die when we're buried we're planted like a seed and we will be resurrected in a like manner to him he's identified with us and we will identify with him in that mm. it's so fascinating what do you, you shared about the christian thing about burial is you know, when you, I've never thought about this before, but when you approach uh, a burial or at the end of a funeral, it's quite like a sad moment. This is us saying goodbye to this person, never again to see them on the side of eternity. Um, but really what what is actually happening is it's like a seed that's being buried. So, you know, the, when yeah. you bury seeds, you don't, you're not sad that you're not going to see a seed. Well, not normally, no. no. But there's like hope and there's anticipation and joy I th- that... I think, I think we, you know, we have to take seriously the sorrow of, of uh, yeah, death. Yeah, death, is, death is sorrowful. It's sorrowful for, for us left behind. It's sorrow, sorrowful for the dying as well. Mm. It's, it, it is an imposition. It's an enemy. And it's the last enemy. And it's going to be defeated in, in yeah. its totality in our experience but i mean 1 corinthians 15 talks about the body of the believer being sown uh, as perishable as as killable as as susceptible to dying but raised imperishable Amen. and then it says in the next verse as well is sown in dishonor yeah. sown in kind of shame and dishonor but raised in glory and it's it's important to remind ourselves especially in the kind of post-christian age that we live why why do we do this kind of thing why why should you bury uh, there's a report that's come out this week from um, theos think tank called ashes to ashes and it's looking at the trends and changes that uh, people's attitudes to death and dying have undergone we've got um dying matters week coming up in two weeks time as well so i mean there's there is a general uh, turn towards kind of the positive dying movement if anyone's heard of that that pe- people even in secular society in the country are trying to turn their attention back to how how one copes with dying (laughs) and um and uh to get people making wills again just all the practicalities about it because we do live in a culture that's forgotten a lot of these bearings one of those bearings is this idea 
of burial in hope uh, and mm. that's there's something we can really serve the country that's in true. generally in mm. bringing the, the rationale behind why we do these things Brilliant. back into conversation I mean it doesn't matter if, in, in a sense if people don't agree on the first hearing with that but now at least they know why a Christian would do that kind of thing and they can start wrestling with the idea and start thinking about death in a spiritual sense as well as just a practical sense so good thank you Tim um, Stephen do you want to you know we've talked a lot about the Barry series and Barry we haven't really gotten to the preach um, sure. do you want to give us a quick summary of Yep, so, so from this sermon, uh, it's a bit of a sermon of two halves. One, uh, I guess the first half, I really tried to show us that uh, Joseph is a type of Jesus. So as we look at the Bible, I said on Sunday that in every page, we're looking for Jesus. You know, Jesus, when he met his disciples, showed that was the case, right from Moses, the prophets, actually right through that he is actually the reason for the book and it all points to him. And sometimes that's not that easy to find. I think we obviously need some help from our Bible teachers and preachers. I think in, the, in reality, the book of Joseph, anyone can go looking and we'll see that actually he's a type of Jesus or to put it another way, that Jesus is the greater Joseph. And so particularly in this passage, there's loads to point uh, back, like as Tim said, we just come out of the story of Easter, and you just see the story of Easter all over this particular uh, chapter. As uh, kind of, uh, Joseph is sent out by his father to find his brothers as he's thrown in a pit and betrayed by them. And uh, we obviously get to the resurrection bit, that's a few chapters away. Uh, but just this narrative we, we see working its way. So a lot of it's just looking at Jesus, which is always wonderful to do. Um, then looking at how does God deal with people? And I love the way, I just love the story of Joseph personally. He's probably one of my favorite characters, characters in the Bible because you just see how God works in life, knowing that all of us have difficulties and trials and pits that we have to go through. Mm. And uh, how do we navigate that? And where's God in the midst of that? And those are really good questions to ask. And all of us need to have a really strong theology of pain and difficulty mm. and how do we face it. And so hopefully did some work to help people uh, kind of gr- grapple with those things uh, on Sunday. I think let's kick, up, let's kick the discussion off with um, with the whole thing of trials and, and hardships and pain. Um, I think some of the other things I'd like to talk about if we do get time is to um, look at the place of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, J- Joseph experienced some really horrible betrayal from his brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, also the place of forgiveness in our own society today. There, seem, there, is a, not seem, there is a lot of pain and hurt in society. How do we tackle some of those? Uh, how do we bring forgiveness into into play? It's world surrounded by cancel culture. Um, we've looked about, so Joseph had his, his multicolored coat, which got ripped up uh, by his brothers and, and dipped in goat's blood. Uh, but as believers, we've been given a new coat of Christ. And how do we live in that identity? Um, and then if you do get time, you know, our whole, the trajectory of uh, pit to palace uh, and our view on trajectory. And career and, and those kind of things if, if our, our view of authority so, so let's kick us off with the whole um with pain and uh, and trials and hardships uh, you know what would be some helpful practical tips or things that you would encourage people listening in maybe people are going through hardships uh, to find grace and god in it you me? Rachel, feel free to jump into anything. I have to say, for me, the word of God. <laughs> and so um, this particular story is has been really personally helpful uh, in the last year or so. And um, when the schedule for who was going to preach what passage came out, I was thrilled that my name was against this. And if it hadn't been, I would have fought for it to be the case. Because uh, it has been just, I didn't 
I put a lot of it into the sermon on Sunday. I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted to help people. But personally, it's really helpful, I think, just letting God speak to you uh, through these passages. And again, just that there's something about this, the helplessness of Joseph in this situation. He's trying to pity. He cannot get out. He cannot uh, control his situation and, and his destiny. And um, I think often that's the case with the place we're in. Sometimes we're just in situations think I did not make this situation. And uh, there's definitely moments where I've been speaking to God saying, God, this is, this is not good. And this isn't good for me. It's not good for the people I love. And, um, and I'll be trying to tell God, this is the narrative, God. Like, if you could just begin to line up with how I think the story should be playing out. This is the story of my life. And this pit is not part of it. And uh, God, you just need to get up to, to speed with Stephen's plan here. <laughs> and I think the story of Joseph just so helps me that I just, I have such a limited view. For Joseph to go from being... Uh, essentially a shepherd in a kind of agrarian society to be a regal administrator over a whole region now, that, that couldn't be just a job interview gets mm. he had to go through something to get there there's some stuff that needs to have literally had to move him like ge- geographically had to strip away some identity stuff had to do some inner work in his heart and god knows the best way for that to happen and so there's moments in my life i'm thinking this looks like an ugly pit there's nothing good about it mm. and this is not the story i have playing out and it's not good for my brothers it's not good for me but God knows. God knows what's right for me. God knows what's right for my brothers. And I love this story. It's not just that Joseph's vindicated. His brothers who did him evil, they Excuse are fed. Yeah, they yeah, are yeah. saved. And yeah, Joseph yeah. is the instrument of that. Yeah. You know, God, how you, you, you construct it. So it's a win-win-win. Mm-hmm. And I, often you look at a situation thinking, this is a lose-lose for everything. Just, but you just cannot see things from God's position and so I think getting into the Bible saying God I'm looking at my situation God teach me your ways teach me how you really deal with people yeah. really helps us and, and just getting a security in God it's secure that you're your will your way Lord not mine and so yeah when you were when you were saying that just now it made me think so you, you gave a cross section of what your prayer might be in a certain situation yeah. where you're in a pit uh, it's not good for me it's not good for the brothers it's not good for whoever and it sounded like you were stopping short of saying and you might have said this in prayer. This is my question: Have you ever said to yeah, God in prayer, God, "This is"? <laughs> have you ever said, "And this is not good for you"? Yeah, Your I'm reputation, like, yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Like, God, this isn't even bringing you glory. <laughs> this is messy and painful. Your your reputation's on the line, Jesus. Like, like, I've got I've got your back covered, God. Just do things my way, and it's going to work out. I've got it covered. The funny yeah, thing is, that's. But there's kind of biblical precedent for that as well. So as you do see those kind of arguments happen between you know Abraham and and saving Sodom and things like, like this, yeah, where, yeah. where you're saying, yeah. you know, that, what are you going to look like if you do this? Yeah. How will yeah. anyone know yeah. that you're, you know? And actually, it seems to be, it seems to actually form a legitimate part of honest prayer. Yeah, I was about to say that's just like an example of just going to God and just being so genuine and honest. And I find that off the back of what you said Stephen about going to the word when you're feeling overwhelmed and you just you're in a pit and you need help like going to the word is so great because it's literally showing you who God is through stories through people and through their experiences but for me like a big thing I would say would be prayer but not just kind of doing the motion of prayer um father but actually just being like hey, I feel like this, this and this. Um, and can you kind of help me out of that? And actually 
changing that to an honest prayer has really shaped my relationship yeah Yeah, exactly and I find that near the end I'm giving thanks anyway but it's like almost as if you've got to get that stuff off your chest and God being the person who wants to be the first person you talk to about these things because I think often I will go on my phone and text someone which is great and it's lovely to have friends and family for support but actually God wants you to be the first person that he you know that you go to for that I think I've been helped recently. Just I've been to another pastor. I'm just talking about the whole issue of hurt, and so we don't need to pretend that hurt isn't hurt. Mm. Uh, it's not sinful to admit that your pain or something hurts. So you know that very famous verse that Johan read earlier. He said, "You meant it for evil. Like it was evil. Mm-hmm. It was hurt. It was pain." But God can use it for good, and, and it's just it's looking that. But it's, you know, it's not diminishing the fact that these things are painful. Yeah. And I'm talking to brothers and sisters about it. You know, we, we don't want to moan or complain about anything, but we can lament, and we can be real and mm. s- sympathise and empathy. You know, Jesus wept over the pain mm. of his friends, even though that he knew he was going to undo that pain. Mm. You know, but the pain was the pain, and mm. I think just being being real in prayer, like I said about that, is, is helpful. Just digging deep into what you you asked about how um, this is not good for your own glory. Um, it could feel like the season, broadly speaking, that the church is in at the moment is, is, is not one of influence. It's not one with a strong voice. It's not one which is shaping the course of, uh, of uh, countries and, and politics. In some ways, it's, it could almost be seen as the opposite. Like That said, in this, this country, the church is doing most of the feeding of the poor. So carry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would you encourage Christians who are, are feeling like, I do want, I do want to stand up in in the work situation that I'm in and bring godly counsel in but I'm afraid that I'll be shut down because of it. oh you're Christian and that's just what the Bible says what encouragement would you bring to them? Hmm. I think that's where you're going to land with your question so I'm going to <laughs> may I make a comment first? yeah absolutely um, I think um, not worrying about um, vindicating God mm. or yourself like I say God God knows God is secure in who he is mm. like he doesn't mind people thinking this that and the other you know he, he'll just do what he does I think that's an encouragement to us and we're just called to be faithful mm. you know we're not, we don't actually need to worry so much about the outcome even our own vindication I think that's still a, something I'm learning mm. and um, I'm very good at saying the right things in the right place but all kinds of ugliness in my heart I want to be you know justice I want people to see things rightly like stuff, you know for my own self mm-hmm. um, but laying, laying that down because just God's just yeah, God, God, God's just perfect example in that, mm. and uh, his, his help to do the same. I think with the church as well. It's like, well, we're not really. If 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 your motivation is for the world to think great things of church, you build funny shaped churches. Mm. You know, suddenly you, you, you're very careful about what you say, what you do, how you're seen, how you appear. Now, we don't want to be offensive uh, for offensiveness' sake, but there are there are bits about. Uh, the gospel, lots of bits about the gospel, and and the life that God calls us to live that are countercultural, that people, you know, won't understand or they won't like, and it's you know, and we want to learn how to communicate them well and to know the reason for our, our faith to be able to defend it. But if we start from a point of wanting influence or wanting a wanting a hearing, uh, and that's just the main motivation, I think we, you know very quickly you can you can feel uh, in the wrong direction. Mm. The, the answer is to keep seeking God's kingdom, keep yeah. being faithful with it, trusting that at the right time, you know God's God's name will be vindicated. And I think I think Tim's point's a great one. Actually, we get on with feeding the poor. Actually, that wins us a hearing. We know that's the case for us, even as a church. You know, we we had someone come along 
who was involved with some of the work that we used to do with the poor, always said, oh, I must actually come and check out what this church is like. They're taking five years to do it, but they're now around us, looking into our church because they saw something in the heart of how we treat other people. Yeah. And just trusting, actually, as we as we are kingdom people and do things God's way, actually, he'll look after a little bit. Which, which is Joseph's story. Joseph fed the, the starving. Yeah. yeah, it absolutely flows out of how you've been treated by God. Like, so, so for the church to be authentic, it's not that you're just doing, uh, you know, works of mercy to to impress people or to merely gain a hearing. You're doing you're doing it because that's what that's how God is. Yeah. In in God's self, God is generous and a father and a provider yeah. and a, a lover of your soul and has done has done these things to you. You're just reflecting. You're just you're, you're saying, okay, well, if the the thing that every human being is supposed to be is a God imager. Mm. And what Jesus has now made it possible for us to do in lifting all of our sin and guilt from us is to is to clean the mirror and to make it so that we do we reflect the mm. God who is. We well we reflect Him like this, so we carry carry on being merciful even if we're treated harshly. And we you know you know we 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 shouldn't we shouldn't underestimate the great privilege and freedom that we do have in this country. Yeah. Even even uh, uh, in a post Christendom time. You know, we we are allowed to be church, and the light is allowed to shine, and so mm-hmm. that's that's an amazing gift. That, mm. that we we, we want to just lean into that full strength that He's loved us, so that we can love. So, yeah, I think there's just off the back of what Stephen was saying about faithfulness, and I think some people on the outside looking in can think of faithfulness as a weakness. And I was studying, like I've just finished doing the Book of Acts, and. I came to this conclusion that there's so much strength in faithfulness and there's it's also smart because in the Bible like they go back to the Old Testament and they say well God moved in this way and this way and look at the people who went against God look what happened to them and so we as Christians are doing that too and we're saying okay but look at all these people that have had experiences with God and look at where he's taken them and look at the promises he's answered so actually having faith in someone that yeah he may not have moved in your life yet but you can look back at people who he has moved in and be like i've got faith off the back of that can can you define faithfulness for me just just give a sentence what you mean by it i mean i guess just tr- like trusting and having like faithfulness is in you know that god is going to deliver his promises right so you are yeah because you we use it in different ways you, yeah. you can talk about being faithful in a relationship or something like that. yeah like, yeah you know I mean? it's different it's, yeah it is but it's not it's not a million miles away but it's, yeah. it's important just to hear what you're saying there. So when mm. you say your conclusion after reading through the Book of Acts, which is the actions of the Christians in the early church, mm-hmm. straight after uh, the ascension of Jesus, when he, yeah. he commissions them, says, right, you be my body and you, you do the stuff. Yeah. Your takeaway from it is that faithfulness is the hallmark. Well, there was many takeaways, but I think one of the things was that they were, one, using past stories to kind of back up their claims of God but then also you see in it people being having a message from God and not really understanding it um for example when I think it was Ananias got a vision for going to cure Paul from being blind and he was like but Paul um just killed all these people Paul's being all of this so why why are you asking me to do this but then he trusts that God is true and he has faith so then he goes and does it and then also like Galileo I think says stuff about people in the Old Testament and he's like oh this happened to God and it just gave me a vision of like well God can use people even though they don't know how they're being used and then just you having that step of faith 
to not just sit back in silence, but actually act upon like I mean, what God's called you, them to do. You know this from, from when we do intern sessions. You're one of our interns here, which is, is great. And I, I teach the interns sometimes. And uh, one of my preferred ways of translating faith in our context is to talk about trust. Yeah, because because trust, yeah. the problem is faith gets such an empty word. You can say to someone, I'm growing in my faith, and um, the, yeah. they won't even ask you a question. Uh, if you said, I'm growing in my trust, they would say to yeah. you, in what? And, they would, and that's, that's the question that should be asked of anyone yeah. who says, I'm growing in my faith, or I'm exploring my faith. Mm-hmm. In what? Like, what, yeah. what, what is it in? So I, I, I hear what you're saying there. It's actually like a trust and a leaning into yeah. precedent in the way that God has acted, in the way and that I God think, has dealt with people. Yeah, and he, he does he does kind of, in my mind, it was like this nail in the coffin type thing, like God will show you one thing and then he'll show you another thing and then he'll show you another thing and that kind of building faith and Paul literally seeing a vision and then hearing a word and then getting someone to go and cure his blindness. It's like, and in my life, I can definitely experience how God has moved and I write down every time he's done something because we so often forget what God has done for us but actually looking at the fruit of what God can produce in our lives not just the Bible characters but literally us and then being like okay but you know how can we go how can we dispute him because he's done so many things Mm. and this is truth and I think you can't argue with truth either so yeah it's It's great Um, I think jumping into you know, the whole, we talked about betrayal and, and forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, this is not going to be the be all and the end all of the conversation around forgiveness and, and hurt and how we respond to that. But um, it is fascinating. The whole, the arc of Joseph's story is it starts with this horrific betrayal. Uh, his brothers didn't sell him into slavery, but they allowed for it. Well, they facilitated the process in a sense uh, to him coming around to forgiving them towards the end of this at the end of the story um I, I find it fascinating that he doesn't that joseph doesn't seek forgiveness or restoration of the relationship before his brothers come to him um, oh interesting the, the different things forgiveness and reconciliation are different. yes yes let okay let's um yes, let's look yes, at this so, separately there's no, there's no evidence that joseph goes to seek them out he might have done mm-hmm. he might be busy True. running a whole region uh, kind of collecting for seven years and then distributing for it's seven busy years busy job yeah. busy, busy Joel uh, busy Joseph um, so yeah who, who knows and it, 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 I, I do like I thought though well, why, did, why didn't he um, but it's not, not, not to say he didn't forgive mm-hmm. and I think in one sense uh, if, if you wait till you go and meet someone and get all your explanations uh, before you forgive you're, you're probably mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest it's the wrong way around so how do we hold that intention do we yeah. uh, do we actively seek resolution or reconciliation do we actively seek reconciliation I think Forgiveness in some ways is you and God, and there's a, it's an. I'm not saying one is easier than the other, but it's very much something you do within your heart. Then the act of reconciliation is almost like trusting yourself into a vulnerable position. Well, I, I think I think the forgiveness um, easy is the wrong word. It's more sim- yeah. it's simple. Yes, like God said, I forgive you. You're to go and forgive others. You know, you're you're giving over that offense to God for God to deal with and and choosing to not hold it against them anymore. It, it's it's simple. Is it easy? No, uh, it's not. Uh, but, but it's simple in that in that sense. You know, I think you know. Again, preaching through the Easter story, you know, Jesus literally, like, you know, Father, forgive them. You know, these people just betrayed yeah. you. These people, he doesn't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to forgive. And the fact that Jesus t- t- teaches us in his no daily prayer. No one's saying sorry to him or anything. No one's saying sorry. Absolutely no. Mm. But they they just think they, they think it's crazy. They you know that no, you're the one who did them wrong. Mm. I think knowing that with, with forgiveness, we're not waiting. For reconciliation we're not waiting for someone to admit that they're wrong mm. we're choosing 
we're choosing to forgive them. It's difficult. It's definitely a work of God. So Holy Spirit, help us. It's also, I think, I don't know before, maybe before we went online, but we're saying it just makes sense. You know, there's that whole, I think it's a Nelson Mandela quote, or it's been at least been attributed to him. You know, unforgiveness is like pouring a cup of poison and drinking yourself. Right. You know, that, that bitterness and hurt you have towards someone. Yeah. They're walking around happy as Larry in the world, and yeah. you're feeling the depth of it, and it crushes you. Mm. And so forgiveness is saying, you know what, I am not going to live in that space. I'm going to give that to God. God's mm. do what he wants. And the harder bit is then working out the reconciliation bit. Because sometimes yeah. you've been hurt by people where it's not appropriate if you go, go and reconcile you know yeah. so abusive situations with one of the, you, don't, you don't put yourself back in an abusive situation and other, other times it's hard because they don't see it from your own narrative you know and sometimes they'll maybe see a, a little bit of it so that means you can begin to move towards one another but you don't want to try and stop doing that until you've forgiven in reality yeah. I guess like a, a broader question then you know in a lot of maybe like some of the social movements that we've seen in our time you know like some of the really strong opposition against um abuse or racism social injustice all of those things um not wanting to lump them all into one thing as if, as if one answer will fix everything but what should the christians attitude be towards reconciliation in this instance uh, or how do they play out forgiveness in this instance people who've um, maybe been on the receiving end of of abuse or maybe people who've been perpetrators of abuse you know the church is a space for everybody um yeah i guess what, what can we learn from the story which will allow, which will speak into our lives. <laughs> I think there's one thing that's really obvious. I, I, the, the, the phrase that we keep coming back to, which is the end of the story, we keep spoiling it for everyone by talking about <laughs> you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. I don't know if Joseph would have seen that all the way through, and especially at the juncture that we're looking at. Yeah. If you if you like box popped him at that particular point mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, how's it going? Did they mean it for evil and God mean it for good?" He'd be like, "I'm in a pit." You know, that's all I know at this this mm. juncture. However, however, at the end, I think it's important, and here's the lesson for us, that he verbalizes to them. He says to them, you meant it for evil. That bit's important before you move on to it. He's actually reflected to them, you meant it for evil. Because there can you don't do someone who's hurt you a service by not reflecting to them what that's been. Yeah, you know, and there's, there's gonna be wisdom about how that comes out in different ways. But part of it is actually serving them by saying, this is what went wrong. Maybe you still don't even see eye to eye. Do you know, maybe, they, maybe you've been cancelled for this, that or the other. And you, you verbalise to them, you, you stop my voice, that hurt. Mm. And, but, but I forgive you. You, you know, I, I, I've, I've got enough going on that I've got trust in more than just the situation that we're in. Mm. Do you see? So I think that, that that would be one thing I'd say for us. It's actually the verbalizing of the hurt along with the forgiveness so that you're at, from an attitude of service that you're, you're not there just saying this is what you did and this is what you know it's not accusatory it's not coming with that heat it's coming with a sense of I would be not serving you if I didn't actually spell out what's wrong yeah it's that thing forgiveness is not saying you weren't wronged it's not excusing it. I think it's so important. Some people are like, how can I forgive that? It was so bad. It's, it's like, necessarily no. saying that you were wrong. Yeah. Or, or, or that there was and it also done. doesn't it's, overdo the hurt that's already been caused. It doesn't, there's damage that can be done. And then, yeah, there's forgiveness and there's a beauty in that and there's a renewal. But actually, the stuff that's happened in the past has still happened and there's repercussions from our actions, from our words yeah. that are still very real. Yeah. So it's not just saying it's all in the past and it's all forgotten about. No, it's just madness. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah and, and, there's, and there's consequences and often it's important to get other people involved in the law at points you know doesn't mean those things shouldn't be 
forgiveness is really about that heart attitude. In fact, I was talking to someone yesterday about you know, did they have any particular unforgiveness uh, in a situation? And they were saying, well, there's definitely things that I need to talk to that person, another person about. There's things I need to go through with them about. There's not unforgiveness in my heart. Right. Right. So I, I, I explicitly said, no, could you break bread with this person? Do you, could they communicate? Like, hey, absolutely. Is there further conversation at a point needed? Yeah, there is. That's a great but, Christian diagnostic question as well. Can, 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 you, yeah. can you break bread? Yeah. Because, yeah. because there's warnings against this. Don't yeah. eat and drink yeah. judgment yeah. on yourself. And, yeah. and I, uh, I, I have found myself in, in, in years gone by where I think I've forgiven someone and I realise what's happening is actually I've just not seen them. And then you see them, <laughs> you see them raising their hands across the room and worshiping me like, oh yes. You with your hands up. There you are. <laughs> and it's like, let's, let's, take, let's, let's, let's take Jesus' bread and How wine for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm like, how am I going to take this right now? Yeah. Well, I'm holding that against them. How, and how can I, you know, and that's when the parable of the unforgiving servant, it's the most yeah. brilliant story. It's so convicting. Every time you read it, thinking, <laughs> you know, God, you've forgiven me so much. Mm. My wretchedness is just more than I'll ever, ever be able to comprehend. Yeah. And you forgive me. How can I hold this thing against yeah. that person? And I think I think it is the, the forgive seventy times seven. Yeah. You know, it's it, yeah. where someone thinks they're being clever, saying to the Lord, "Oh, forgive seven times." That's <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, times it up. You yeah, know, yeah. square that. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've come to the end of our show. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. I just about. want to give a little shout out to this Happy oh, Mackie. Yes. This was really nice. Happy Mackie. Yes. Thank you, Happy Mackie. Sushi burrito. Come on now. By, no, not <laughs> <laughs> Quite a can if they like. And, and it's vegan as well. It is vegan. Multiple ones. Not, not usually an aficionado of the vegan, but you've uh, you've, you've made a case. Yeah, yeah nice. I mean, I'm not going to say you've you, you made a case, you made a case. <laughs> alright we won't go overboard but, but yeah thanks so much for joining us next Sunday um, or the Sunday that's coming up we've got the story of Judah and Tamar which mm. is personally one of my favourite stories in the Bible because it I don't give it, give the spoilers away but it's an extraordinary story of God's grace and you see the kind of people um, that God works through and it gives you so much hope for just sin in your life and mess in your life God it? there's no mess too big absolutely yeah. so it's a, it's a must listen to preached we've got the wonderful matt cobbs speaking to us uh but thanks so much for joining us and we see you next week Bye. Bye.